Welcome to the Notion Podcast. This is Reimagining. Hello, I'm Paul with Stephen, running our Reimagining series. I'm very much excited about today's episode, not only because of the founder we have with us, Mads, but also because I'm really wondering how his company Dixa fares and has fared throughout this crisis because it looks kind of a perfect fit for what's happening, you know, with the unifying of customer experiences. So I'll, I'll let you introduce yeah, the guest, Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And when you look at the, the impact of the crisis on organizations, it doesn't affect everybody in the same kind of way. And you know, Mads is the co-founder and CEO of Dixa. It's a customer service platform. And effectively, what they help brands to do is to build stronger relationships with their customers to deliver a better experience. And they do that in many ways by unifying all the communication channels and, and customer data into one platform. So when you imagine the challenges of organizations and some of their customers who've seen possibly a massive increase in customer traffic, at the same time as all of their customer services people are working remotely and in a distributed manner. You can imagine there's been a, a lot of change that's needed to happen within that organization and changes within the customer, the way they're delivering support services to their customers as well. So yeah, really excited to talk to Mads. We invested in Dixa earlier this year prior to the crisis and we were really impressed by what we saw up until that point and we've been even more impressed by what we've seen over the last few months. So Mads, welcome. Thank you and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's jump straight in. When and how did you realize the significance of this pandemic, this crisis? This is a very good question. I've been giving a lot of thought lately because now so many things have changed in just two months. But actually, just the day after the lockdown of Denmark, where the, the prime minister actually locked down the country as, as so many other places in Europe, we got the first, you know, desperate requests from existing customers, but also prospects from our pipes and customers we've never heard about. And of course, what drove that was from the Nordics, but also from other European countries, was of course lockdown and the immediate overnight going full work from home. So the customer service teams, that's the mission critical part of almost any company, they really needed to be ready. And some of them had you know, point solutions doing that, but the majority had some of the channels some of the processes very much fitted into a team sitting in a, an office space. So we had to really help and aid the many customers. Some of them started to get impacted by the, the lockdown and the COVID-19, like some of our travel agency customers, some of the retail customers. And some actually started to see their business thriving, like the gaming companies we have, the online groceries, of course. So it was really chaotic all of a sudden sitting in a really, you know, normal SaaS company doing great on growth, but we hadn't seen anything like this in our lifetime. And at the same time, we had to also overnight go full remote with 120 people in four offices in Germany, Denmark, Ukraine, and the UK, and had to do the communications as well. So it was some really weird days back in March, actually, 11th of March, as I remember it. I just wonder how it felt as well, because I mean, you're a fast growth business, you had to make some very 
significant changes to your organizations. How did you come to terms with the changes that you needed to make? Yeah, so first of all, of course, we, we spent almost a month for the first three weeks of the crisis and the lockdown to get our hands around the challenge from our organization perspective, but also, of course, for our existing customers and the customers we had to bring into one customer service platform, you know, having an on-premise phone system. We, all, we saw all sorts of things. But at the same time, we also saw that some of the big prospects and the big clients within the verticals that had been really hit hard by this crisis started to ask for help and aid, and some of them even telling us they couldn't pay, basically. So we were lucky that we were so diverse with our verticals. We also saw some, some challenges arising, so we could see that we would probably see some trend in the affected industries. And at the same time, we were set up for hyper growth. So we just received a great funding round with, with you guys as lead and very, very proud about that, but had already set things in motion, of course, and, and already up to the funding round. Of course, we had, we had geared up on the commercial organization. So we had a lot of people, salespeople, a lot of marketing people and people working lead generation. Actually, just a week after we can see this is really serious. This is actually more serious than we had anticipated we had to look into scenario planning. So just six days after, we invited the whole board to a pretty tough meeting. We had already made three scenarios, called a classic best case, worst case, and then a medium case. And then we worked with these scenarios the next two weeks. And unfortunately, many of the assumptions we had on, on the negative side proved to be right. Also, we saw that some of the good stuff happening on the verticals that thrived also were actually happening but given the challenges on seeing how long will this crisis actually last, we had to make the decision, which was a really tough decision, to reorganize our commercial organization into a somewhat leaner and smaller. So that was one thing we had to look into. The other thing we also saw, again, we actually very quickly looked into, based on all the requests we had, like in a, within a week, marketing team and our CCO Anders, we actually went with a quick, quick turnaround almost on our messaging and value prop. So we were very, very crisp and very, very direct on the efficiency, the, the fast and effective way you could drive your customer service across many channels and consolidate because now you were either thriving and growing massively or you were challenged by actually seeing the first layoffs happening in many, many industries. And therefore, a smaller customer service organization should even do much more. So the need around having an efficient, unified customer service or customer experience platform went from, I would say, mission critical to a burning platform. And of course, we utilized that situation immediately, also testing things out. So it was really, really personally a tough time because and. At the one side, we had to look at these scenarios and a possible reorg of the commercial organization. At the same time, we saw our business you know, struggling in some verticals and thriving like never before in a number of other verticals. Even the ones actually where they struggled, they needed now to consolidate the three, four, five siloed systems because that did not work anymore. It went from mission critical to a burning platform. So honestly, the leadership team worked, I wouldn't call it 24-7 because there's just a thing to say, but it, it's, it felt like that. And throughout the Easter, we did the final planning on, unfortunately, 
saying goodbye to 25% of the entire organization. So going from 120 to 90 people, and the majority of them was from the commercial organization, as we didn't find it sustainable going from a hyper growth to a normal growth. We're still looking into doubling our revenues. So it's not like we're not growing still. However, looking at the unit economics for driving a healthy business in the future and not knowing when another funding round or even you know another bump or a crisis should hit, then we had to extend our runway so we are sure that we have a sustainable and strong business coming out of the crisis, but also actually years after that. So that was a very challenging time, but I can get back to why I think we did the right thing. You've gone from, a, as you said, a hyper growth plan to almost in the short term, survival is the imperative. How did that feel as you went through that as a team over that Easter working around the clock? I think, first of all, it became quite clear to all of them that we had to look into the commercial organization. At the same time, we also embraced the crisis and saw it as a window of opportunity because given the circumstances that you, you can't just fuel salespeople and marketing people into a, a hypergrowth engine, then you need to make sure that you are definitely there for existing customers, helping all the ones that are thriving or struggling, because that's also a, you know the right thing to do as, as a company, helping others out, also in the Notion portfolio, of course. But then it became quite evident that if we're smart here, because we do have a solid business, we will be a stronger business if we also, at the same time, immediately keep on investing in our product engineering teams and, of course, also our customer success teams. So taking our own medicine and making sure that we are close to the customers, that we know everything about them, whether they are about to bankrupt or they are actually thriving. So we've done those two things as part of the plan. But of course, the, the leaders that have to say goodbye to a large number of people in their teams, of course, they were affected by this. And it was more when we presented the plan to the extended leadership team, which is all our VPs and directors and managers, a great, amazing group of 25 people. I remember that as being challenging. They could see it in my face. They could hear it in my voice. Because all of a sudden, those very, you know, structured planning and all the good stuff also coming out of this, which was really weird, balanced with the very sad stuff. Uh, of course, the sad part was to say goodbye to these amazing employees that has been you know, building the company for months and years before this awful crisis hit us. That was when I realized it. So first for the board, then for the extended leadership team. And then on a, uh, a tough, tough Wednesday in April, we announced the plan on the reorg and also a very, very I would say human and transparent communication around why we had to do that, even though we just got funding, because that was kind of the, the challenge for us to really make understand that this is not just a thing we do because we want to make better numbers or utilize a, a crisis. This is for the survival of the company, even though that means saying goodbye to, to the employees to make us stronger and to make sure that the people left behind are the ones that can, can actually take Dixa through the crisis. Because at the same time, in order to make sure that the sales team and the commercial team that were left could actually keep thriving and do the, the things that they did very well in our run rate business, but also from what we call our flagship business and our partner business, making sure that they had enough to do. We also launched a campaign helping companies in, in need of consolidating and being closer to the customers. But that also meant that this is giving Dix away for free for six months at the same time, onboarding them within 48 hours to make sure that this is fast, efficient, and effective, because that's the need that arose in Europe and in the US. But it also meant that we will see those companies 
in Q4, right? So we also had to be very brave at the same time to make sure that we use this as a momentum and again, to for all efforts, being a stronger company coming out of the crisis. It's the most difficult thing I've ever done. And I've been in organizations where I have 550 people and also said goodbye to, you know, close to 100 in, in, in a big reorg back in the telco days. But this is, you know, this is my own company with Jacob, my dear co-founder, our CTO. And all of a sudden, right, this was not what I had planned for. We, we had planned for becoming you know, like 250 people by the end of 2020. So, yeah, it was um, the hardest thing I've ever done, to be honest. I know from the conversations and meetings I've had with you uh, how much and how deeply you care about the people that you work with. So I can, I can really kind of appreciate how that must have hurt. I just wanted to pick up on something interesting you said, and you talked about, obviously, the people you're keeping and the customers that you're serving. And you mentioned about creating a, a healthier business. I'm just wondering if you could elaborate on that for us. Yeah, definitely. So I think we come from a situation where we, at least in 2019 and, and before that, SaaS companies can grow very, very fast. And sometimes you grow whatever the costs and the consequences are, it seems sometimes, both from outside and inside. And sometimes some of the metrics, of course, you're looking at are not in the perfect shape, but also you do not have the time to actually look at the business from a very critical point because everybody is just telling you and you're telling yourself and your investors Go, go, go. There's a massive growth opportunity. And we're working in a market that is at least, if you take the CRM part of it included, it's a $350 billion yearly business. And of course, customer service and customer experience is a part of that or it's a portion of that. But still, we're talking about a huge growth opportunity anyhow that will be there for many years at this transformation, as we call it, towards customer friendships rather than just you know customer support or customer service going on. I think it's the problem of just going for growth at all times. You will miss some things, and especially on the people and culture side, you will be challenged if you do not, I would say, balance that into the, to the growth journey. So there's, I think, on the human capital side and, and then on the unit economic side, I'm sure we can see that, that we now have the ability we also have the chance to actually quicker than before, to be honest, and very transparent, to build a healthy business in the hard and the soft terms that will, in a sustainable way, be able to create a path to profitability. Not necessarily that we need to be profitable in a year two or three, but we do have the chance to do that and we do have the option to do that. That was not the case before, to be honest. And that's not the case for the majority of SaaS companies that I know in Europe and in the US. So that's, again, it's, I'm not t- saying it's a blessing in disguise because it would be very wrong to say about a huge crisis that on a human and a, and a health perspective is very serious to the world. But you can embrace it and it gives you a chance to actually look at your business from maybe a little bit more, sorry to say, an old-fashioned and more traditional way of driving a business. And I think that's okay sometimes. It's interesting when you, you mentioned something earlier about fast, efficient and effective customer service. And I just wanted to come on to a little bit of some of the things you're doing differently, because that's quite a different message as well from the message you were taking out even just a couple of months ago. So just wondering what's now changed in the business and what are you doing differently? Yes, very good question. So actually based on the first week of the pandemic lockdowns, we saw those requests coming from customers. And actually that made us think there is definitely all of a sudden we are looking at desperate needs. Of course, it was a need to have and it was mission critical area we talked about is 
it's number one, two, or three on the leadership and the C-level agenda, all times, customer experience, right? So it's not like it's difficult to get, you know, get meetings and, and talk time, but we are typically replacing three or four systems and even more. And so of course, we also have greenfields of smaller consumer brands or tech brands that grows rapidly coming from very small customer service team is almost like greenfield. So that's a great business as well. But talking about more established consumer brands or consumer tech brands, they have, of course, a pretty sophisticated tech stack already. And we talked about customer friendship as a movement and transformation, which is working very well for us because we truly believe in this. And this also from a cultural perspective in Dixa, that you have to be very close to your customers and treat them with the respect and the warm familiarity of a friend or the what we call customer friendship. But that's kind of more movement and community, which is working very well for us. We found out just in the first days of the crisis that being much more punchy and direct on saying, we have built the world's fastest, most efficient and effective platform that takes care of your customers as well as your customer service agents. And we can onboard you in 48 hours. We know that. We, we know that. That's what we believe in. This That's a tech part of the company, right? But we were told by even our customers and partners and a very, very skilled agency in London telling us, guys, this is what you also can do. And, and now the need for it is bigger than ever. Why don't you just say that? Okay, yes. And we were thinking we wanted to keep the community part as kind of a way in. But we found out that that is great, serving as a halo for our business, because that's that's actually our vision, right? <laughs> and then be much more direct on, on what we actually do. And the sales guys did it, of course, the marketing campaigns. So, so this September free COVID-19 campaign, and now our whole website and messaging, collateral, et cetera, is centered around a strategy that is called further and faster. And the three words you just mentioned, fast, efficient, and effective, are the cornerstones of our product platform and the strategy. So I believe before the COVID-19, we believe this should take at least, I don't know, months or quarters to get this strategy implemented. But what we had to do was actually finish the strategy. We had a lot of, you know, ready, especially the product strategy in a week, present it to the board. And then actually after launching it to all the employees in the mid of May, we executed on it. And already we had all the value prop messaging things working for us in the market. So I've never seen anything, and not in, even in Dix's journey, happen so fast and such fast results and outcomes. Gigantic eye-opener for all of us, I would say. It's extraordinary what you can achieve, isn't it? I mean, I'm just looking at your website and I looked at it last probably three or four weeks ago and you've realigned the whole business around what is effectively, obviously the same technology, but you're solving a, in a way a different problem. Possibly sometimes for different customers as well, because you know their their reason for buying has changed. And I think you've done a really good job on that. I'm just wondering if we can just finish off with thinking about how do you reimagine the future for your industry and for Dixa over the next 12 to 24 months? It's a great question. And um, we just came out of the strategy process where the vision and, and mission of Dixa is, of course, the centerpiece. I think it was very important to truly be there for your customers and be efficient before COVID-19. And therefore, the essence of our customer friendship philosophy, that transformation was already going on and quite fast. But COVID-19 has just accelerated that transformation and showing us and the world within customer experience that this is not just a, a niche or silo of things happening for, 
for some very, very strong customer-centric brands, this is a thing that will happen to all companies, B2C, B2B, marketplaces alike. They have to do something significantly different in order to understand their customers, you know, the whole empathy part, the data automation part is also necessary because you cannot just hire customer service people. You need to do both and figure out when it's important to engage and be there. So I think the future of customer service will be a journey towards 360 degrees customer experience. And that sounds, you know, a little bit fluffy and very difficult, but in order to be part of that journey, you really, really need to look at the heart and the soft sides of the people game that customer service definitely also is. Agents and customers and other stakeholders in one. And that's where I think we are very well positioned to do so because we took the hard, hard investments and tough investments in the early days where we almost many times were about to run out of cash because it was so ambitious to build a platform. And I know Notion, you guys should have a a number of these types of SaaS companies that took that brave move in the early days. And I think the future is much more a platform play for Dixa, an ecosystem play, of course, but we will challenge other great platform, new platforms, SaaS 2.0, as I call it. We will challenge a lot of the point solutions and also a lot of the big guys that has kind of still have a very fragmented, siloed approach to everything from customer experience, but also to to MarTech. So I believe that we are part of the new generation of SaaS companies where we are the disruptors, disrupting the old disruptors. <laughs> um, and of course, I'm talking about in our world, we're talking about the ticketing masters, as we call them, the call center kings and the messaging gurus. We are really uh, seeing them as great inspirations, but also industries that really needs to, to consolidate in, in some way and, and merge. That's great to be... Uh, in the center of that, in the eye of the uh, tornado. I know that unlike myself, who's sitting in my office at home, and unlike Paul, who's sitting in his office in the studio in the um, <laughs> attic of his, of his home, you're in, the, you're in your office, which is an exciting change for the business. But I just wonder now, how do you feel? Yeah, I think to some extent, I've gone from being very worried about my family, first of all, of course, my three sons and my wife in the beginning when you saw the, the terrible news on this crisis and the pandemic. Of course, then to be worried about Dixa and the many great, great people we have here that are you know, fighting every day to, to become the worldwide leader of CX. To actually be in a very good shape, I think, also with Denmark reopening and hopefully we see all the other countries in Europe and in the UK coming, coming along as well. But saying that, I think we are in a very good position, all things considered, under the circumstances. I believe in Dixon more than ever, and in the great people we have on board. But still, I'm a little bit worried about the world. So I think we are many people that are worried about the world these days, not from a job or industry perspective, but, you know, from a human perspective. All the things going on in the U.S. these weeks is also showing that there's something wrong, right? That is definitely... Many challenges, COVID-19 being one of them. That's how I feel as a human being in person right now. But in relation to the family, to Denmark, to Europe, UK, and Dixon, of course, I think we're moving in the right direction. There's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. I feel very happy about that. Yeah, you're so right. The way we feel as kind of entrepreneurs, investors in the context of the global challenges that we face. That was a really fascinating journey that you took us on. And as I said at the beginning, I was so impressed by what I saw with the business when we invested. 
And I've been even more impressed since then, and, and certainly through this current challenging times. I'm excited to see what, what you guys can achieve as you build this new generation of SaaS company, both smart and healthy. That's a great place to be. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Of course, my pleasure, Stephen. Thanks for the, for the kind and wise words. It means a lot. We're very jealous that you live in the future. <laughs> this is recorded in June. You guys will listen to that in July, but they're opening and we're still stuck in our attics. So Yes, um, that's right. Let's see what happens in our future. We'll, we'll, we'll be always a few weeks behind Denmark. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. 